Hi, my name is uh, Knut Peterson. Thanks for taking the long drive from Medicine Hat today. I'm sure the weather was uh, the same as here. Anyway, my question is about educating people. A good place to start would be the schools. If you can get the kids convinced that uh, you're doing the right thing, uh, it's not so hard getting the parents to follow suit. Yeah, Knuda, good point. Uh, one of the things we do, and we haven't done done enough of it, um, but we do do school presentations. We actually have um, even little hat smart canvas lunch bags uh, that we hand out as a means of trying to, to engage the kids. The other thing we're working on with our renewable energy projects is having um, one to two page fact pages where um, we encourage teachers to go to those and basically download relevant local information around renewable energy um, as a means of kind of moving our way into the schools as well. Hi, my name is Mark Sandy Lenz, and I'm not running for city council. <laughs> Although I am running to be the MP for uh, Lethbridge uh, whenever that happens. Um, like you, I am not a, uh, an engineer or a, uh, a climate scientist. Uh, I'm a psychologist by training, social psychologist. And uh, actually, a sub-area of that is environmental psychology, which I taught at the university for many years. It's, it may seem a surprise to many people that environmental psychology uh, does have some suggestions to offer in the renewal, new renewable energy area. And I'm wondering if any have uh, been considered by your people at Medicine Hat. Uh, for example, if you think about it, uh, it all boils down to human behavior. So how, how can we change human behavior? And you, you've given some suggestions of incentives and so on. Uh, one of the uh, techniques that's been used is to have people be aware of what their behavior is doing. Uh, so smart meters. Uh, is uh, being uh, have been introduced in many areas around uh, North America and the world, so people know when they're using uh, a certain uh, amount of electricity, and so that they can adjust their behavior accordingly. Uh, other techniques have been uh, putting information on people's uh, uh, utility bills, so that uh, they can be told, relative to your neighbors, you are using more energy the same amount of energy or less energy. And it's this kind of feedback that actually can uh, produce and it has been shown empirically to produce uh, uh, very powerful effects in changing people's behavior. And I'm wondering if your group has uh, considered any of those. This is like a planted question. We've never met before. Thanks, Mark, for the question. I, one of the things we are trying to do is, is this... Uh, uh, coming spring, so March 31st or April 1st, 2011, we're going to be rolling out what we're calling HatSmart 2, which is a, a new set of, of incentives and education around conservation and renewables. Specifically on the conservation side, one of the concepts that we've been looking very closely at and have actually um, had some some quotes done on is is on the social psychology side. One of what at least based on the literature I've been reading, and and I guess I'll also say the salespeople I've been talking to that um, there is some social social psychology that that can be used. We're working with a company that's called O Power, 
Um, uh, feel free to Google it, opower.com. They do some really interesting things. They create a customized utility bill that compares your energy consumption to that of people in your neighborhood, to that of the best saver in your community. And then they provide a series of tips associated with, and if you want to use less energy, um, feel free to do this or that, log on to their website, do a variety of things. Um, they've got proven data that shows that year on year you can result in average consumption decreases of 2 to 3% around these things. So we are looking at that as a, a way forward to get away from 100% focused on funding furnaces or all of these pieces. And actually, I'm no psychologist, Mark, but get inside people's heads and find out what really motivates them because what they seem to be saying, and, and we're looking at a lot of work by uh, a fellow you probably have heard of, uh, Dr. Robert Caldini, who who is a, I don't know, apparently he's a real famous social psychologist guy, but he has all these, these principles uh, that he follows around um, basically getting uptake and programs in relation to that. So City Council, you guys are having a, a fresh peak. City Council doesn't even know that we're looking at this stuff as of yet. Um, it is not inexpensive to communicate with every single customer at a personal level like that. Um, but we definitely see social psychology as a tool to get us specifically around the, the conservation side towards our target of 20% reduction in per capita consumption by 2020. My name is Cheryl Mahedden, and I think it's great that we have you so close and that we can use you as a resource as we convert in Lethbridge to be more environmentally friendly. One of the things you said that is alarming um, for lots of folks is when you talked about the green fee. And I'm wondering if you ever thought of um, turning that around and making it into a brown fee. So if you were, for um, instance, a high-density housing um, structure and you didn't have a recycling station, uh, nearby, or if you had the opportunity to put solar into your new house and didn't do that, would that different sort of way to turn it around work as opposed to almost seeming like you're punishing people for being green? Hmm. Good question. Uh, I'm going to be the mayor. <laughs> Excellent. Just so we're clear, uh, I have not yet submitted any nomination papers for myself for the city of Lethbridge. So, you know, t talk to me later. No. Are you moving to Lethbridge? <laughs> well, you never know. So, Cheryl, there's, I guess, some, some different ways it, it can be approached. Actually, my preference would be um, that something called provincial leadership is taken. And how that would work Define is... Define your terms? <laughs> it's kind of this thing where it's just not all about the oil sands. So I would see something similar being some form of uh, carbon tax or acknowledgement of the fact that there's an environmental burden associated with burning fossil fuels. We can debate global warming or not, but in the end, it's non-renewable and it does have an environmental impact. If there was some type of carbon burden that was then flow that then flowed back to municipalities to allow them to fund these types of things, I think that, that could be quite effective, and I think makes a lot of sense um, to attach it to specific developments um, has some merits. But as as someone who would report to a new mayor, 
um, I would there'd be some administrative challenges to to applying that, and I think there'd also be some perception of how come they're not charged. There'd be some legacy issues of of those things that are developed um, that have been historically been developed that maybe. Um, weren't doing similar things. So there, there, right, that carrot versus stick, I think there is some opportunity around the stick, but I think probably more so at the provincial level. Hi there. My name is Bob Cooney, and I'm one of the equivalent population numbers of Purple Springs who are running for alderman. Um, my, I've got a dollars and cents question, really. Um, this is actually very interesting, and it's very cool. And I would like to know what um, this cost physically cost the city of Medicine Hat to sort of start up and engage in. Uh, you've got, obviously, time for people. There's some administrative costs involved with all of this. And uh, also, whether or not you had any public opposition to doing some of these uh, things and what that sort of looked like. Hmm, costs. Um, Medicine Hat operates under a rather unique model with our utility ownership. I, I, I will tell you this, the, the program, so when we talk about about a million dollars in residential energy conservation renewable energy programs, that is funded through a charge on people's utility bill. It is what's called a energy conservation charge, and anybody who uses above average amounts of electricity or natural gas pays a premium for every additional kilowatt hour or gigajoule of energy. That charge, which actually was challenged, um, not by citizens of Medicine Hat, actually by our friendly neighbors in Redcliffe, um, but <laughs> um, was upheld by the Alberta Utilities Commission. They were actually fined with that charge. And so we use a charge that essentially tries to motivate large users to think about what they're using. In the end, I'm not sure if it's even noticed by really large users. I don't think they pay attention to that on their bill. But what it does do is provide some seed money to, to have the incentives moving on. So that's, that's one area. Um, in terms of my position, and we have a huge department, I have to say, i got to admit, there are two and one-quarter people in my area. I look over a big domain, and I'm in charge of lots of people. Um, but that is also fed through both the energy conservation charge as well as some small municipal contributions. And then we're in the envious position where we have a utility um, that throws off some dividends. Um, basically, we pay six and a quarter percent worth of the equity in our, our utilities back to council every year. Some of that money is used for seed capital. As we were talking at, at our table uh, over lunch here, one of the things that can be done when you don't own um, energy-producing assets, although obviously Lathbridge does distribute energy, there is a potential to use what's called a uh, municipal consent and access or what's called a franchise fee on the utility bill, and that's the ability of a municipality to create a revenue stream by burdening utility bills with a certain percentage of either distribution or energy charges. Um, that creates a revenue stream, which I think politically can fairly easily be justified as, listen, we're throwing this back into our Lethbridge Sust Energy Sustainability Program. And one of the things, I guess, that's been very beneficial from the Medicine Hat side and stood us uh, well when we went in front of the Alberta Utilities Commission is we are very transparent about the dollars coming in, going out in incentives. It's like a hot potato. Basically, I'm bringing money in through this charge. My role is to redeploy really that money back into the community. 
And success for me is getting rid of that money and throwing it back into the community. So that's some of the tools. My name is James Moore, and I am a candidate for alderman. Uh, thank you very much, Russ. This is tremendous what you're doing. I uh, always think that you know there's a time when people sitting around talking about good ideas, but when you actually make a move, as you've done in Medicine Hat, then the equation changes, and we can see what the next steps are. And I can certainly see. Uh, us collaborating with Medicine Hat. We, as you pointed out, live in the epicenter of the Chinook and the solar phenomenon in this country. We have the resources. We need the political will to implement them. As far as costs go, don't you see this as an investment in our future? And if we're looking over the interests of the citizens, you know, the citizens have children going into the future. So, um, would you describe what you're doing as an investment in the future, is my question, because that's how I see it. Sure. I, yeah, no doubt it is. I think the, the, the short-term economics uh, are sometimes challenging, and that's why that need for political will is there. When we look at the wind farm that we're contemplating, in the first four to five years, it's contemplated there'd be a premium, and it's in around the $2 range, decreasing over time as energy prices rise, predominantly because natural gas prices are at a very low place and likely have only one place to go. So within five years, the wind farm will actually end up being a low-cost producer in our energy production area. So there's no doubt um, that short-term, some of those decisions are tough, I think, in making them with an eye to the long-term. And that, that concept of, and I think we've got it done reasonably well, the fact that we need to decrease our per capita energy use in our communities because there are finite fossil fuels and prices will go up. So decreasing your consumption over time, and that takes a community to work together to do that, and then diversifying away. You know, you can decrease it all you want. You can decrease your consumption in half, but if fossil fuel prices triple, you're still worse off as a community uh, from a financial standpoint. So if you can diversify away from that in the long term, um, it's uh, the way you need to go. The challenge is you're in a political environment where you try to get reelected every three to four years, and it doesn't encourage long-term thinking. Thank you. My name is Heather Caldwell, and I, too, am a candidate. However, I am a candidate for the town of Colders, and we can only hope for half an exciting election as Lethbridge. But my question is a little more uh, bare bones here. Uh, the challenges that small communities face are how do we sustain recreation centers in terms of cost? So I was really excited to see that you do have a solar uh, power going to your, your wonderful family leisure center there. Do you have any ideas of what percentage of utilities does that cover or does that is that enough to power the whole leisure center or hmm no not even close i'm not sure i can go the number of decimal places we need to go to tell you how much power it produces to cover but it is um it will be less than one percent what it does power took us a long time to figure out how we could articulate but we have a wave pool and it provides enough electricity to power the wave generator and the wave pool. 
which is something. And it's we kind of call it ride the wave. And we, we've kind of, as you can tell, we're more into branding than we are into economics, which <laughs> troubles me sometimes late at night. But um, so it's... It is a challenge with these things. There is no doubt renewable energy in the short term is a more expensive, uh, at least at the face of it, um, opportunity. Uh, you need to think broader, and you can't just do it on the backs of traditional economics. To give you an idea, that solar system we installed um, with all sorts of government funding, we probably were able to put it in for about $20,000. is about an $80,000 installation. It generates enough electricity for about two and a half homes, right? So it's an $80,000 investment. We only put 20 of our own money. The reason I get to do lots of these projects is I'm able to find the other people's money to put in along with the cities because to do it alone as a municipality um, even if you've got relatively deep pockets, the math just doesn't work. And so one of the challenges is having someone that understands the math at least a little bit to get in front of that one. And so we've done it by trying to attract federal and provincial grants for these types of initiatives. Uh, thank you very much for your address. I'm Albert Coy. And... Uh, you didn't want to comment on your on how this this year was put forward in regard to uh, energy sustainability. Leftbridge left in, in, in left behind. As a matter of fact, I think they're going backwards because they have absolutely. I don't think they have any power plant. You mentioned a power plant in Medicine Hat, and I would like you to sort of comment more on that. What you're doing today, not what you're going to do. In the future, I rely on our young people that they will have the confidence and also the wisdom to find energies in so many different ways. There's so many different ways you can find energy, even from your waste uh, that you throw on the garbage heap. I've seen pipes come out of garbage heaps where there's energy coming out of it. But anyway, on the, in regard to your power plant, uh, Lethbridge used to have in the hospital they used to have cogeneration, which is a very efficient way uh, to make electricity and also to create heat or coolness in a, a large building. That has been, now I think Medicine Hat has it. I think the whole business was sold to Medicine Hat for some reason or other, I don't know. But it saved the hospital many thousands of dollars when they had it here. And cogeneration is is the best way to use natural gas. It's in the 90% uh, efficient, whereas a car is about 30. So, sir, your, your question, if yes, I understand you correctly, is... is that my question is, now, Medicine Hat is going ahead, and I'd like you to comment on your power plant for one thing, and another thing, what you're doing today. You mentioned a lot of things like this uh, wind power. That's very expensive for the future, and now, too. But just comment on your power plant. Have you got have you got that uh, cogeneration going there? Sure. So, um, City Medicine Hat has about uh, not that this is going to put it in context for you, but about 215 megawatts of uh, electricity generation, uh, gas power generation that operates in what's called combined cycles. So it it 
creates electricity by burning natural gas, um, and then that excess heat is then used to heat water and creates steam that in turn puts it through a steam turbine and creates more electricity. Um, it's, it's an efficient use. Basically, you're trying to get squeeze all the energy out of the natural gas. So we're, we're doing a number of things at our power plant in a traditional sense. Uh, we get as efficient turbines as possible. We just had a couple of new turbines installed. Um, and then we are using that to, to produce as efficiently as we possibly can. In the end, though, a, a gas-fired power plant can, even though it produces half the emissions of a coal plant, you can not compete with coal-fired electricity for price. You can compete for emissions, but we're back to that recurring theme of provincial leadership, which I won't dwell on. But, you know, coal isn't properly burdened at this point, and, and over time it may very well be. There's no doubt um, Medicine Hat has been, um, I'm going to say, lucky and good. We've held on to all our energy assets. We've never given up on all our energy assets. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, uh, I think it was back in the 50s where Calgary Power um, purchased uh, Lethbridge's generating plant that was here as well. Uh, I know that's always been a, a bit of a bone of contention and certainly left some envious of Medicine Hat. Um, with it comes significant amounts of debt to run utility operations, and I know the city of Lethbridge is on a pay-as-you-go financial system that doesn't accumulate debt to the municipal side, which I think has some tremendous merits. Um, we are not on that same path. Um, not that we're in trouble, but we certainly rely very heavily on our energy assets to support levels of debt, um, which is another thing that um, is a potential issue. Hi, my name is Henning Mundel. Um, I'm coming to your question second, but first an interesting observation, perhaps, that maybe you can clarify on one of your slides. I was surprised that on your slide where you put the proposed uh, wind farm, that here in Alberta, it was a French map. It said Riviere. <laughs> where do you get a French map in Alberta? <clears throat> But my question... I don't know where I got that map. I didn't even read the map. I'm a little embarrassed by it. And maybe, we'll let you have two questions, because I presume you have another one besides that one. Maybe that it's one's a, a rhetorical question. Maybe it's a French river. <laughs> it's the old map. It's the South Saskatchewan, actually. <laughs> uh, thank you, Tom, for giving me a second question. My second question is, I don't know whether I slept through it, but I haven't... I, I had a very early morning today. Um... But I didn't hear you make reference at all to geothermal. If why not? Just why not? Um, okay. Remember, I'm an accountant. So geothermal, in terms of a ground source heat pump, which is I think probably what you're referring to, um, basically makes electricity more efficient, right? You, and I don't understand how it does that, but basically it takes one unit of electricity and gives you three units of energy. So that's really cool, except when you're making electricity with natural gas at 30% efficiency, and basically you're just creating a really high-efficiency furnace for about three times the cost. So that's my answer. I don't want to fight about it, but in Alberta, let's just put it this way. In Alberta, it's very challenging to make geothermal economics work in a residential setting, whereas in 
Manitoba or in BC where they've got cheap hydroelectricity, the math is a lot easier. You bet. Hi, Russ. My name is Cheryl Bradley, and I had the pleasure of meeting you a few years ago. And I'm so pleased to see you in uh, Lethbridge. Um, it seems that in your office as environmental manager for the city of Medicine Hat, that you've been able to be the catalyst for a lot of good action moving forward on sustainability. And we used to have an environmental manager in Lethbridge, but we don't anymore. And I'd, I'd, I'd just like you to comment on the scope of activity that your office does and sort of how it relates to council and city administration and sort of the pros and cons. It, it's a pretty long question, but it's, um, it's something we've been mulling over in Lethbridge. Like, are we really missing out on something by not having someone in our city who's dedicated to looking for these sustainability opportunities and catalyzing their implementation. Sure. Um, so, A, good to see you, Cheryl. All I have to say is, tiny crypt tenth. That's, that's how Cheryl and I met. There's a small, uh, rare plant that was uh, in the Medicine Hat area that was getting trampled by a bit of development, and, and we hired Cheryl to come in and enlighten us on, on some of the issues around that. So, A, good to see you. Um, in terms of an environmental position, so my scope started out quite broad, and I actually was the environmental manager because, as you guys are already probably aware, it's really important to have an accountant as your environmental manager. <laughs> so, <laughs> although I didn't understand the economics around uh, the impact on the environment to some extent, since then my position's been hived, and the environmental risk management, which is how I met Cheryl, is handled by some engineers in another department now, uh, they decided that uh, I probably wasn't the best person to handle and oversee that, which I think is fairly wise. So I deal with energy sustainability now. But back to the, the root of Cheryl's question, one of the things that I was able to bring to the table, or let's just say a position independent of an operating department. So I think of operating department as, right, municipal works, solid waste, um, it could be your electric distribution group here. It can be parks. Anyways, a department that's out there at the coalface and uh, doing work in the community. I was very fortunate in the, that our group, when we started out, reported directly to the chief administrative officer, so the head guy, city manager, whatever you want to call it. As a result, we were able to have discussions that weren't pushed aside by operating departments who, in all, you know, in fairness, they've got a job to do. And the environment, and specifically long-term environmental impacts or strategies, aren't at the top of their, their to-do list. They've got to get that road paved. They have to pick up the garbage. They have to treat the water. They have to make sure the electricity is there when you want it. They've got lots of, the, of operational issues. And so... It's very challenging unless you have a position outside of an operating department or doesn't report through an operating department structure. It's very hard to trigger actions. So where Medicine Hat, um, I'm going to say accidentally was successful because it wasn't necessarily set up with that in mind, but because I had a direct reporting line to someone who wasn't in charge of an operating department that was in charge of broader oversight issues, it was a lot easier to, at the very least, get the question to the table because... 
I know Sue Dakin reasonably well, uh, and she was the previous City of Lethbridge environment manager. Um, and I think one of her the biggest challenges was given where her position was, she could not even start the conversation because the things she wanted to talk about, the department she was within or the division she was within were at odds with what she wanted to talk about. So she never got to talk to council about those things. So there's some challenges there. We're just about out of time, so Val, could you give one question? And yeah, quickly? very quick. Thank you. And it is about economics. My name is Balbura. To make anything, you know, popular and uh, put to the people, the economy of scale comes into play. And right now, I see, I mean, the cost is a concern for everyone. My question is, to create that economy of scale, where is Alberta government standing? Where is federal government standing on this issue? I know we have a bill, an electric bill or a gas bill in Lethbridge. Two-thirds of its, its fees and, and franchise, this and that, there's no consumption. Only one-third is consumption. So the incentive is very small for people. If we reduce our consumption to efficiency and all that stuff, people don't see the advantage. And electricity is still pretty cheap, I tell you that. So where would you, where is the, our government? There has to be leadership coming from the top. And it has to come from the bottom too. People don't understand because the cost is still low. Thank you. Yeah, geez, lots of stuff there. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't disagree with what you're saying at all. Actually, I have uh, similar thoughts in, in a lot of those areas. I guess we've employed a couple of strategies. One, um, I don't know if you know, but the the MLA in medicine had is Rob Renner. Who and listen, I get along very well with Minister Renner. Um, but he's also the environment minister. So one of our strategies is to subtly and not so subtly embarrass the province over the fact that a municipality is doing some stuff that a province should be doing. And so we've been working on that. I've, I've met with uh, Mr. Renner several times, uh, as well as our MLA, to encourage them to, to make some change. Um, in the end, you know, it is a bit of a chicken and egg, so I've done the math. I understand how quick that furnace will pay back, and I understand that it takes 45 years to pay back your solar electric system. I know that. It only costs 22 and a half when the city pays half, though. But you sell your home every 10 years, so but we won't get into that. So it's, you know, the math is challenging. It, part of it actually comes back to the social science piece and understanding what makes people click, and it's about... This is a kids and grandkids issue, and, and this is actually about making a more sustainable community as a whole. And it's about doing the right thing and having the vision as a community to kind of move forward on these things. Even though some of them may be a little bit financially painful, it's actually about having a, a city council or a, or a um, provincial legislature or a federal government that has the vision to lead by example and put policies in place. So it's kind of like your seatbelt. That's a bit of a pain and, you know, it costs more for my car because that seatbelt costs 30 bucks. But in the end, I'm doing it because it's the law and it's the reason I have to follow it. So they're definitely, I mean, policy is the leadership um, that we need and we don't have it yet. 
So uh, before Tom kicks me out, I just want to thank you guys. I, I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. It's obviously an informed crowd, and I really love this forum. I, I wish uh, Medicine Hat had uh, a... Uh, I guess we'd be SACPA too, unless we called you guys SWACPA, but that sounds wrong. Okay, so, that's, okay. <laughs> that's enough. We. <laughs> If you, I think we just thanked him, but if you want to take any more abuse from this medicine hat ruffian, um, he is going to stay around for about another hour and have an informal chat. We uh, mentioned that to the candidates, and another candidate has just come in, Jerry Hecker. Uh, where are you, Jerry? Please stand up. We had all the other candidates stand up before. She had another engagement and is coming in late to have this informal chat. Anyone else that wants to stay for the informal chat is not a closed session. Just feel free to stick around. And Heather, we have nothing against somebody from Colehurst joining us. Uh, thanks very much for your good questions today. And again, a round of applause. Oh, there's, there are some handouts on the table out there from related interest things about uh, today's topic. Please pick a handout uh, up on your way out. And um, a round of applause to thank Russ. Thank you.